We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back, Swider Show listeners. We took a little two-week break for the holidays. Um, obviously, in this time, uh, I'm fully back. I've played about six games since last time we talked on uh, on the podcast, but it feels good to be back. feels good to be back here with Patty, just, just chopping it up. Had a great interview with uh, Elijah Hughes, and excited for you guys to listen to that. But, um, but Patty, how, how you been, man? How, how was your holidays? I've been good. Um, I haven't seen you since last year. <laughs> <laughs> Typical one Classic. too. <laughs> yeah, but um, my holidays were good. How were your holidays? You got to go home, didn't you? Yeah, I got to go home for a couple of days, so I uh, ended up getting called mm-hmm. up in, in the Charlotte game. There, there was a point where I, I thought maybe I could check in there, but yeah. um, we lost a tough game against Charlotte, and then after that, yeah. I was able to, able to go home. Um, and and yeah, and, and was home for a couple of days, and we went out to Memphis and and, and played against uh, the Memphis Hustle. Mm-hmm. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling being back on the court and everything? Man, it's it's been a process. I think my first game I played well. Um, my second game, mm-hmm. kind of getting back into the rhythm. I, like I, I told my dad this um, the other day. It's just like you're looking forward to coming back, and and you know it's going to be tough, but it's not fun while you're while you're just getting back into it. I'm still on a minute restriction, still working my way back into things. So I have an MRI Thursday to kind of take me off the minute restriction mm-hmm. if everything goes well, and. Um, after that, but I think I've been catching my rhythm as of late. I think the last two games I played well, um, absolutely. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm I'm just excited. I'm getting going, and and obviously just just chipping at it day by day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, last game 14 on the Memphis herd. That's really yeah. We we should actually one of our drafts we should do uh, names of G League teams because some of them are just like pretty electric. But oh. yeah, you look like you're getting your legs under you. You're like you're, I mean, the jumper never leaves, but. Um, since we last spoke, you first of all made your debut against the Ontario Clippers, who would not be, I don't think the Lakers or the Clippers would be in that G League draft, because it's, I mean, come on, yeah, she's using the same name, but, um, yeah, can you just kind of take us through that first game back, because we haven't, we haven't spoken since. Yeah, no, it it was, uh, we actually, Ontario's like 45 minutes away, and, uh, it's funny, man, just, going up to Ontario, it's not a 
great, I would say, a great city. The arena's not mm-hmm. that nice. I mean, the G League is... G League's one of a kind, man. It, it, like, it's, it's so funny. At all these different arenas, they have like all these. For example, like they have all these DJs and, and the, these guys are talking on the mics and stuff like that. It's hilarious. But then we go to Memphis, and it was bring your dog to the arena day. Yeah, it was like chaos. Yeah, and I don't know how that's allowed. Scotty's shooting a free throw. There's dogs barking in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they play that noise that no one can hear, and the dogs like you know what I mean. The dogs are getting all irritated, yeah. but uh. But yeah, so the, just like the G League, just <laughs> is, is funny. So like we're playing against the Clippers, um, and yeah, it felt great. I got all my warm ups in and, and, and went in there and played well. I got nine rebounds and kind of got myself going. And then we we uh, we handled business. They had all their guys up with the with the NBA team, so we played a lot of a lot of like their uh, their main G League players. So it was a good win there. And um, kind of after that, just just been trying to find my rhythm. After that, I had a tough one against Stockton, but. Um, I think I've been kind of catching my my feet underneath me, and I'm getting better every, every single day, and I feel more like myself. So, uh, but yeah, now nah, the G League, the G League's funny, man. <laughs> like uh, w- one of our guys like dunk, dunked the ball, and it was like Jay Huff for the dunk, boo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, like over the last, the, the yeah, PA yeah. guy said that. Oh, that's actually look, awesome. Yeah, look at the DJ, like because the DJ is the PA guy there. It was it was hilarious. Yeah, some of the like the Ontario place is, is massive too, and no offense, the the clock the stands were like not necessarily full, so it's like it makes it look so empty. It's funny because that's actually that's actually a pretty good crowd for the G League. There's probably a thousand people there in a, like an eight. But the arena's giant, yeah. Yeah, I so like your guys set up how it's like a smaller smaller gym, like it lo- it looks cooler. It's probably better for a shooter too. Oh, great great shooting gym too. Yeah, yeah. no, it's I I like our setup too because we we practice in the Lakes facility. Um, mm-hmm. everything's right there so I can be back and forth and, and not even miss a beat yeah actually real quick now that you mentioned that I've gotten some questions from like friends and family about the location of, of where you guys play so do you play your G League games at the practice facility yeah so that, that's one of the best parts about being like, I think the mm-hmm. Wizards have this and one and I know Detroit buddy practices at the practice facility but they play at Wayne State which is down the street Yeah, but for us we, we play in the same gym that we practice in and, and that's a, it's connected to the, the Lakers course right. on the right side our course on the left side and and yeah it's just it's really convenient so uh, we, we literally play in the practice facility so okay um, so how far convenient. is the practice facility from like crypto like downtown Thir- LA? 30 minutes 30 okay. minutes yeah that's not bad that's that's pretty interesting and yeah yeah that's not the worst setup to one practice or play where you practice every day and two have it be as nice as that place so Really nice, really nice, man. Um, also related to that, the the G League showcase took place. That was kind of the same type of setup and talking about arenas. But um, you guys lost a tough one first game, but um, you played pretty well, like you said. Minutes restriction is pretty tough, so um, yeah, just kind of speak to that experience. How, how was your first G League showcase? Yeah, man, it, it was a good experience. It, it's cool seeing all the GMs there and, and everyone. It's like kind of like being in like the summer league atmosphere again, right? Um, I, I think the tough part about that, and, and I talked to this with Coach Miles Simon, my G League coach, about this too, is that like my, my team has been a good team this whole entire time. So they they don't necessarily need me. Um, they, they didn't necessarily need me in, in, those, in those games, right? So I'm trying to catch my rhythm. I'm trying to get back and everything like that. And they're competing for a hundred thousand dollars, right? So, like, 
I think I was playing well. I was doing all the right things. And, and Miles even told me, he's like, hey, you were playing well. It's just like, like, first of all, we didn't know about the Elam ending. So the, the G League Showcase, uh, the fourth quarter, it's just plus 25 on whoever the lead is. So I ended up playing the end of the third quarter. And we didn't know that to begin with. And in the G League and the NBA, all the minutes are, are dispersed before the game even starts. So, like, you're, you're, like for me, I was scheduled to play 22 minutes but then we had the Elam ending, so like that that just totally throws off, and we didn't know that. So, um, we so whatever throughout the game, I'm playing well. I'm, I'm I'm starting to catch my rhythm, and and the whole entire Elam ending, he, he put the starters back in, which I totally get. Like I told him, I was like, I, I'm not I'm not mad. Uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not mad that you did that because I understand as a coach. I'm going with the guys who have been with me the whole entire season, who I know, who have closed out games, who have done all these things. Not not saying that I'm I'm necessarily happy about it, but I, I totally understand where he was coming from, right? So, um, I, I think I think overall the minute restriction has really helped me just just realize like, hey, like I'll probably play 22 minutes if I'm up with the Lakers, or I'll play less than that, I'll play 15 or 20, and that's what I'm about to do when I start out my NBA career. So it's it's kind of picking your spots, realizing where you can get your shots. Um, and then coming into a team where you get traded mid-year and like it's a similar situation. Like the team hasn't, I haven't played with the team yet, so it's kind of getting comfortable, kind of realizing where where these guys' spots are, where my spots are, and it's been a really good transition um, from from not playing to playing. And I think I've just gotten better every single game. And, and these guys are six games in now. I have my best game in this past game, and, and I think it's all starting to uh, be on the up and up. And I'm, I'm excited. I, I think. I'm I'm in a good we're in a good part of our season now where um hopefully I get this minute restriction off on Thursday and, and we can go from there. Yeah, how how does that work with the minutes restriction as far as the MRI? Like if it comes back with what you're looking for then and is it just full go? Yeah, so I mean the conversation that we've had with our medical team and doctors is that they just don't want to see like a, dra- a, a drastic uh yeah. a drastic setback mm-hmm. in terms of what, what the MRI shows. I, I like we talked about this from the beginning. I, I haven't had any pain this whole entire time, so it's been it's been tough from my perspective being like, Oh, like now it's worse, now it's better, like and and I don't understand that because of, of my pain level, right? right? You're coming back from a certain injury. Like I was talking to Colin today, Colin Gillespie, friend of the pod. Yep. Uh, first no second guest yeah Mm -hmm. great guy and uh he was saying like yeah man like it's some days i feel really good some days i don't you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's getting back into that that everyday routine like for me like i i've i felt good every single day you know what i mean just coming back so it's been one of those things um that they just want to see either a positive progression or it stay the same so they know that the 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 things that i'm doing or it has been benefiting me, and, and I'm I'm not putting myself in harm's way to to get a stress fracture. Right. Um, speaking of friends of the pod and the G League showcase, I think we should shout out Buddy who had five threes in the in the Motor City Pistons first or Motor City Cruise, excuse me. Their uh their game at the showcase, so good work, Bud. Got hot. Yeah, buddy, buddy played great. Mm-hmm. Buddy played great. I was I was actually at that game sitting next to Elijah and uh, another Syracuse former Syracuse player, Kai Feldman. Oh so, yeah, uh, just just orange, just Kai orange representing. Also, walk out. Yep, yeah. D Nick was there. Uh, Jason Hart, wow. head coach of G League Ignite. Hakeem Warwick. Yep. Um, Onowaku was there. He's the assistant coach for the Capital City Go Go. So, so we had a, we had a good orange pres- uh, presence at the G League showcase, and it was good to see all those guys. Yeah, buddy, buddy played very well. But 
Um, I feel like we say that every episode. You're just running into accuse people all over the place. It's great, man. I mean, the, I mean, the presence is strong because so sp- there's so many guys within the league. But yeah, and and it's it's just it's cool because we've all played for the same coach, right? Yeah. Like all these guys. So like we all like we're all watching the games. We're all looking at for, looking for Coach Beheim. We're all looking, you know what I mean? Like there's there's like this familiarity with all these guys where at some programs it's like, all right, this guy, like for Scotty, for example, there's like probably six or seven guys from Vanderbilt in the NBA, but they all play for different coaches. Right, yeah. right? Some guys played for, uh, what's his name? The guy who was at, who was at Pittsburgh after he left. Um, some guys played for Bryce Drew. Some guys played mm-hmm. for uh, Stackhouse. You know what I mean? Some guys played for both. Some guys played for the, the guy yeah. before them. Um, so it's, it's great. It's just great having that connection with all these guys, and everyone knows what you go through as a Syracuse basketball player: the good, the bad, the media, yeah. the, everything like that. So there's that is that brotherhood and that connection um, with all these Syracuse guys. Yeah, it's it's insanely um, unique, and Coach Bam's got a lot of deserved love on this podcast. He also will on the interview with Elijah. So definitely tune into that. But um, last episode, we actually forgot to do a mailback question of the week, I believe. Yeah, I think we did because we got too excited with the draft. Which wider one? Um, I'll withhold my comments on that. Thanks to everyone who voted, but seemed seemed like it might have been a popularity contest, Swider, with you winning. Like riding a bike. Um, like riding a bike. Daddy's home too is argue. I mean, that's like Anthony Bennett, but whatever. We'll we'll have more drafts in the future. I think I like my chances to bounce back. Um, Lewis and Adam and Sheridan did well too, but. Um, like I said, mailbag question of the week last week. We missed it. This week, um, we have a question from Peter. Thank you, Peter, for sending it in. Like I say every week, send to swidershow at gmail.com to get featured on the show. But, Swider, I feel like this is very relevant because there's been a lot of chatter, a lot of a lot of big uh, stat lines around the NBA recently, a lot of MV- MVP talk with it being like 35 games into the season. So he asked Swider, with you being – in the shoes of an NBA player right now, who who would you say has stood out in the MVP race? Man, I, I think there's been so many good performances this year mm-hmm. in, in great seasons. Uh, obviously, there's the Giannis, there's the Jokic, there's Luka. Um, there's, all, there's all those top guys. But then there's guys like, I mean, I'm biased, but Anthony Davis. Yeah, he ends up getting hurt, great, yeah. He ends up getting hurt, but mm-hmm. is he in the MVP conversation if he's healthy? Yeah. The way LeBron's been playing the past couple of weeks, it's like it's like there's so many. And then KD's been playing great. KD's shooting an all-time high field goal percentage, and, and they're on an 11-game win streak. So, I don't know. It's, the NBA's so good. It's so talented. Um, like, Zion and John Morant are looking yeah. at teams in great seasons. Are, are they in the conversation? So, yeah. I, I, I think I think it's tough, man. But, I I mean, looking, looking at it from a – this perspective, I would I would definitely say, um, uh, Luca. The way Luca's been playing these past couple of weeks, and and just the the team that he has around him, just keep keeping them relevant. It's always hard to win MVP when your team's not a top two seed, yeah, uh, top three seed. But just just what the amount of load that he has on his back every single yeah. game is is unbelievable. Yeah, pause. Pause. Um. But yeah, I mean his his stat lines the last week or two have been just like jarring. Like the 60-21-10, and last night he had fifty again, um, or two nights ago New Year's Eve. But 
Yeah, I think I one mean, of the best quotes of the NBA season is that Greg Popovich was like, "Yeah, we're going to try and keep him under 50. Yeah. <laughs> and he has fifty, and he has fifty-one. It's like all you can do, though. Um, yeah, I mean the way he plays is like mesmerizing to watch too. Jokic, I don't want Jokic to win it three times in a row, but he's like getting to the point where he's you can't really deny him being in the conversation. But yeah, the, the NBA won't let that happen though. Yeah, it hasn't happened since Bird. I don't think I don't think it'll happen again. You probably have to average like 40, 15, and ten to be in, like legitimate. But um, there's no one on the Celtics in that in that conversation. So I don't know why Adam's looking at us, but. But yeah, the other weekly occurrence, Sheridan, I think has a stat of the week. Uh, we'll see how relevant this is to the show. However, Sheridan, take it away. Let, let's hear what you got. Um, first off, just want to say, I hope everyone had a, a happy holidays and everything. Speaking of the holidays, uh, Christmas day, basketball, it was jam-packed, especially ending with that overtime thriller between Phoenix and Denver. But we're going to take it to uh, a LeBron stat line here. And then I'll dig a little deeper. But he went for 38-6-5 on Christmas Day. And he also played in his 17th game, which surpassed Kobe Bryant for the most Christmas Day games played in NBA history. And throughout his career on Christmas Day, the King averages 27, about 27.1 points per game. So I feel like he can be named one of the greatest Christmas Day players of all time, if not the greatest, for how long he's been ventured in the league. That was great. Yeah, that was a great great picture. Yeah, um, LeBron on Christmas. That was pretty cool, the the mic'd up thing, him talking to his family. Yeah, for sure, man. If we're going to talk about LeBron, we can't. We can't not talk about the the Christmas Day performance or the birthday performance. I mean, the that uh, so like that that would be good for uh, any player. Yeah. But being thirty eight yeah. on your thirty eighth birthday to have forty seven, ten and nine, and lead your team to a a victory over a pretty good Hawks team, yeah. pretty good Hawks team. It, it, that was just unbelievable to watch. So I wasn't at the game. Wish I was at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but just watching from afar, watching it, seeing the stat line after our game that we played against the Hustle, it's just, wow. Yeah, I mean, wow. That's all you can say. But, yeah, it's getting, like, it's almost getting too normal at this point with the longevity yeah. between him and Brady. But what they're doing yeah. is just not a normal thing. And I don't know. That, that was the other stat of the week that I had in my head, not to show up Sheridan, but. Um, so I don't know if you saw the the graphic of on his twenty first twenty fifth birthday. I think he had forty eight seven and eight something like that, and then thirteen years later to the day he has forty seven nine and ten and a W. So yeah, it's just it's just like insane. It's laughable. It's laughable. It is laughable. I'm not laughing, but I I might be laughing. You'll have to tune into the TikTok to find out if I'm laughing. How about that plug, Adam? <laughs> Look at that. But yeah. Um, so, are anything you want to hit around the league, around uh, college basketball, around Cuse, anything? Yeah, just shout out to Syracuse. Really good winning against Boston College last week. Mm-hmm. Or, what was that, two days ago, two days Saturday? Ago, yeah. They've only had one game, I think, since since we last recorded, which was that game. So Yeah, so sh- shout out to the fellas. Uh, I think they're getting better and better every single game. Benny, Benny had a great game, yep. so uh, just – Hopefully, continue to build off of that. And, uh, play play a really good Virginia team on the road. Um, I I never got to play there uh, 
at Virginia. So uh, it's definitely gonna be a tough matchup, especially with how good they have, how good their team is. Yeah, they're super good. Uh, they play Louisville tomorrow at the time of recording this Tuesday, but um, yeah, that shouldn't <laughs> that shouldn't be too tough of a game. No offense to the Cardinals. But, I mean, they still are an we'll ACC see. team, so you can see. All right, cool. Um, follow <laughs> us on all platforms at, at The Sweater Show. Email us. Patty obviously talks about the mailbag every single week. So email us your mailbag questions, sweatershow at gmail.com. Um, and, yeah, man, super excited. Enter 2023 uh, and, and get back, hopefully, up with the NBA squad soon. So mm-hmm. um, really, fo- really look forward to you guys listening to this interview with Elijah Hughes. Syracuse, great uh, NBA player. Excited to introduce Elijah Hughes. Speaking of uh, having Elijah on our podcast, Elijah's actually having his own podcast. Um, Elijah, talk about that and why do you want to get in the podcast game? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I like to talk, bro. I like talking. I be chatting. <laughs> I be chatting. But nah, it's, what I want, what I'm starting is uh, called in the water, and it's basically highlighting people from where I'm from, Hudson Valley area, that kind of don't get enough credit for what they do, just because it's a small area, and a lot of people from my area don't get a lot of credit for what they do. Um, and so it's, it's really cool, you know, we're focused on a lot of people in the fashion world, music world, industry and basketball world, sports world in general. Um, we got a lot of cool guests lined up for people to kind of hear their story, just kind of being from where we're all from. That's why, you know, the name of it is kind of in the water because it's kind of in the water. We drink this kind of cool little gig I got going on and I'm really excited for our first couple episodes dropping soon. Yeah, man. Shout out to in the water podcast coming out. It said in 2023, so I don't I don't know when the first episode is coming out, but uh, everyone go tune in. <laughs> everyone go tune in, and obviously we'll, we'll be listening and 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 uh, rooting rooting on that podcast as well, man. Appreciate you, bro. And honestly, just just a pleasure to have you on the podcast, man. First of all, how you doing, man? I'm good, bro. I'm good. I'm chilling right now, just enjoying myself. Enjoying. I'm just happy. I'm playing playing with the Wisconsin herd. Uh, I had a rough start, but we're starting to figure it out. We got two wins, two good wins in Vegas. Uh, first win in the new year, so we're starting to roll in the right direction. For sure, man. I, I already know how the G League is, man. I mean, Pat, Patty works at nine to five, so he doesn't, doesn't really <laughs> understand. But I wish he, I put, he put. Yeah, he plays in the Tuesday night men league, men's league. But yeah, it's it's basically it's the same level of competition. Basically, I mean, it's it's high level basketball players. But um, yeah, just before we get it going, um, appreciate you coming on. We we realize how busy your schedule's been, so. Um, especially with the holidays and everything, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I saw you. I saw Cole. You posted something about this like a minute ago. I was like, I definitely, I definitely want to jump on the episode. Yeah, actually, before I wanted to say that first, you were, I think you were the first person to reach out to us to come on the pod. Like you, you, you commented said like whenever you want, I'm on the pod. Usually, we're the ones reaching out to. It's usually Cole. I think right. I got one or two <laughs> guests, but yeah, now that, that made our lives way easier. So we appreciate it. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, not nah, for sure, man. But first off, Elijah, obviously you've had a a decorated career. Um, obviously, t- talk about where that love for basketball kind of started. Um, is that is that in your hometown? Kind of just talk about that a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, I started playing basketball very young. Uh, my dad put the ball in my hands since I was, I mean, from when I was, I'd say like four or five. I played other sports growing up, soccer. I was a big soccer guy. Uh, try football, that was my thing. But basketball always kind of stuck. And, and then I started to grow, so you know that kind of went hand in hand. I started getting better, <laughs> and I was uh, well, the love for it started from my first touches. And I knew that was the sport I wanted to play, and um, it's just, it's been a nonstop love since. Yeah. So in researching for the episode, I found it 
pretty unique. Um, you went to three high schools, right, and played three different yeah. places. So that's definitely a unique journey, and it seems like you said you kind of grew a little bit, and there's definitely a steady progression from when you were a freshman, even to take it through you know, your last year at Cuse. It's like every single year you got way, way better. And um, it seemed like there was a jump in competition with each place and each destination that you kind of switched to. So um, kind of talk about how that, like, helped your development because I'm sure – you know, it, it socially it's really hard to go from play like anyone who's transferred schools or or gone to different places. It's so tough. But when you also factor in like a jump in basketball, kind of how did that sort of shape how you know to get where you've gone to today, and specifically throughout your high school career? Right. Uh, I would just lead that all back to my competitiveness. Uh, even like growing up in Beacon, there was just so many good basketball players, so many guys that like in the park would just kill and like. I always wanted to just be just get better. Like I always wanted to be one of the uh-huh. better guys from this area, and um, that kind of just grew into high school. You know, I just want to keep getting better, make sure I'm getting better, not taking steps back, but always just steps forward the best way I possibly could. So, and that's just from me wanting to be one of the best. That's just my competitiveness. Uh, that's just I'm I'm just gonna carry that for the rest of my life. Just trying to always sure, be man. better. You know, I, I got it tatted on me, man. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, I feel like everyone who's made it to this level or, or made it to a successful level, I mean, you, all, you have to be competitive, but to make it into the NBA, it's like, what, what are you doing that no one else is doing? How, what's your edge? What's your, like, everyone's been through that, that, that tough part. So, um, obviously, you went to South Kent for uh, your senior year, or was that a post-grad year? Yeah, it was just my senior year, yeah. So, I, I played at St. Andrews. We played in the same, same conference. Yeah. We never played you guys, but you played with... Uh, Tremont Waters, Miles Powell, uh, another guy who went to Syracuse, Matt Moyer. Talk about the that level up in competition, um, going to the NEPSAC, and how did that prepare you for your freshman year at East Carolina? Right. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to start from the jump. From the jump from Kennedy Catholic, my junior year as a junior, to South Kent was just a huge, just like, all right, this is a whole new ballgame now. Because, you know, I played with a lot of great players at Kennedy Catholic, some pros. But uh, just the level of, at the time, basketball being played, it was just – a, a way different level. You know, our open gyms was like Coach Cal is showing up, Coach K is showing up, Tony Bennett, Jay Ray, to our open gyms in September. Yeah. And um, I was just like, wow, like this is this is big time. <laughs> like, these are like, so it was just a big jump in that way. And then it also taught, it taught me how to work hard. You know, it was my first time living alone um, by myself. Uh, so I was just kind of just me, basketball in school. That's all it was. It was South Kent in the middle of nowhere. Like most Mepsack schools, it's kind of, stored away somewhere and it's kind of just a you know lock-in kind of environment but um so it was a really hard jump at first but then I started to figure out you know where I can kind of fit in on that team with you know Tremont Waters, Miles Powell, Matt Moyer who's getter player of the year so I, I kind of figured out I can squeeze in and, and be a good player on that team and uh, it all worked out it all worked out it was one of the best it probably was my one of my my best high school year just in terms of like how I felt how I was moving um like I was ready to take the next step and then Going to ECU, I, I felt really good. I was ready. But um, I got hurt midway through my freshman year. And that kind of, you know, set me a little further back. You know, uh, we, and also we also had a coaching change in the middle of the season. So it was just it was just a lot of instability at ECU. I just felt like it was the right time to move, make a move. And uh, I just chose Syracuse. Um, real quick, I wanted, I had a question for both of you guys with you being in South Kent, Swire, you being at St. Andrews. Um, you know, Swire mentioned the, the pedigree at South Kent, like, 
some guys that play there, Isaiah Thomas, like Celtics, Isaiah Thomas, lefty Isaiah Thomas, not old school Isaiah Thomas, but <laughs> Mo Harkless. Um, you mentioned like playing with Tremont Waters, Miles Powell. How much motivation? Because when I hear that, I played at my local high school. We were very good in the area, but um, you know we didn't have like the NBA players coming down the pipeline like when I was growing up. So, how much motivation is it for you two to kind of be that next guy? Because I'm sure there's so many players on your team that you're looking up to them as a blueprint, and you're like, I want to be like that. Like, I want to be the next, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Darrell Wright, Mo Harkless, Swatter. You're looking at D-Nick, Michael Carter-Williams. Um, you know, that's such a unique experience for a basketball player. So how does that kind of shape how you guys, your work ethic, you know, how you look at it and, and follow that blueprint of what those guys laid out for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, the blueprint is funny. I mean, the blueprint for me was St. Andrews, go to Syracuse, then, then be an NBA draft pick. But I kind of went away from that blueprint. We had another NBA guy, Bonzi Colson. Elijah, you definitely played against him at, at mm-hmm. Cuse. Yeah, so so we, we – okay. Yeah, yeah, So so bon, So Bonzi's another one of those guys, like – Syracuse didn't recruit him, so he went to Notre Dame. But, like, Coach Hart, Coach Hart has had all these great players over the year, Kim Sanders, who plays in EuroLeague, and all these great guys. And I think for me, it was such a bonus for me to go to that kind of school because I know that this is a, a place where he can develop pros, where this coach has seen what it takes to get to that level. I mean, my local, in my town, the only person who I ever saw make it was Andrew Shravitz, and he played at Butler. Mm-hmm. Was there for four four years, and and then he played overseas for a couple of years. But going to St. Andrews, it's like it, it opened up a whole entire new door for me, and it was only thirty minutes away from my house. So, it, it was a it, for me it was it was amazing just to go there, and then and then on my team we had seven Division One players. So you go from, well, as you know, this a small high school where where you're the best player and uh, and everything like that. To not now you're going against seven Division One players every That's single day. Exactly, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, I agree, man. It was just like you just had to be able to take that step because like, you're not, again, you're not the man again anymore pretty much. It's like you got eight guys, who, eight, nine guys who are the man. And it's like two of them guys in your position. So it's just like a, yeah. it's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I tell myself, like, yeah, I would you look up and see like I did Thomas, Darrell Wright, Deion Wade, all these dudes' names up there. And it's like, wow, I want to be there one day. Like, what do I got to do to be there? And this guy, mm-hmm. Calvin Jefferson, my coach at the time, knew exactly what it was. And, he kind yeah. of put me in that position, put me in that, a really good position on that team. So I think that's when the, the, the NBA started looking a little bit, to be honest with you, when I started at South Kent. So, yeah, talk, talking about that last year at South Kent, you, you played really well. And, I mean, from from a NEPSAC standpoint, I mean, I thought you were one of the best players in the in the league that year. And when you're one of the best players in the NEPSAC, you're, it's talking about high majors, you're talking about like the Syracuse, the Dukes, the Villanovas, all, all the top players are going there. But you end up committing to ECU. Talk about talk about that decision to go there. Talk about your other offers, the other schools that you went to, uh, the other schools that you visited, and what ultimately made you go to ECU. Because Coach Beheim has, has an hilarious story, or Red ha- Red has an hilarious story. But I'll, I'll tell that after. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be honest with you. It was before I got to South Kent. I was already committed and signed to ECU. So I was committed oh, to wow. ECU. Yeah, mm-hmm. my junior year of high school, when I was still like middle of the season. And honestly, bro, like there wasn't there wasn't a lot of schools calling because I'm gonna be honest too. I didn't have the grades for it. My grades were where it needed to be. So, like a lot of schools were kind of shying away. And when I got my act together, got 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 my grades all where they needed to be. But so yeah, there wasn't a lot of schools with me to begin with. Um, Iona was heavy in the mix. Sea Hall in the mix. Uh, most of the most of the Mac schools, most, a little bit of Big East, but like, it wasn't like heavy recruitment because of you know how my grades were looking. So. 
Yeah, once ECU called, they showed a lot of a love, a lot of loyalty. I went there on a visit. I was, you know what? They like me. I'm just gonna commit here. Like, just focus on getting my grades up now, <laughs> and then uh, being able to, you know, go there and play. So I was committed and signed. I just wanted to stay true. But you know, I was I almost tried to reopen my recruitment back up after South Kent because that kind of like re- helped me realize that yo, like I just like what second team on a NEPSAC, like in this league yeah. with these guys, like schools want to, are going to be calling. Like schools are going to be called. And my grades were where they needed to be at this time as well. So I thought about it. I, I wanted to. I, I wanted to at a few points, but no, I kind of just wanted to stick it out. Just go, give it a shot. Um, and it was, wasn't what I wanted it to be. So that was the end of that. <laughs> Who, Who are some, some of those guys, guys that, that were in the NEPSAC your year? Because we've mentioned that in a lot of episodes. Uh, yeah. Well, we um St. Thomas Moore, they had uh, Amari Spellman and Christian Patel. Well, Brewster Academy was Torian Thompson, uh, Alfred Diallo, um, CJ Kaiser. Bruce Brown was in the league that year. Yeah, yeah he was Yeah, he was at Vermont. He was. Who was? Kelly, uh, what was his name? Northfield Mount Herman was like. Kellen Grady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> AJ Brodeur. Yeah, just because uh, I, I want to get that in because I feel like we mentioned that in a lot of episodes and kind of just like like gloss over the, yep, the league, Nate, but yep. like there's legitimate. It's like a college basketball. It's loaded. Conference, it's like, loaded. Yeah. And like all of our games, like if we're playing, if we're playing Northfield, it's like Coach K, Coach. It's just like that's regular. Yeah. They're all there. Like it's, that's regular. It's wild. And then the the national what prep showcase? Another just unbelievable event having Connecticut. Uh, that's when I started. I wanted to think about like opening up my recruitment again because a lot of like schools were talking to my coach at South Kent. Like, yeah, listen, like, what is this guy? Like, <laughs> we can get this guy, but why can't we just get him out? Get him out, and then um, mm-hmm. that's just how it happened. But I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy how everything worked out. Yeah. Okay. So, so Red tells this story all the time, man. He said that you used to go to Syracuse basketball camp. It's just like a a regular camper, right? So. They, they said they got you up there when you were a sophomore or junior, right? I think I was a sophomore going to my junior year. I was, I was still young, yeah. yeah t- tell the story, man. I, I they, Red tells it all the time, yeah. So I used to go to the Syracuse, like, I actually went to it once. Uh, but the Syracuse, like, kids camp, like, for the week. Like, the kids mm-hmm. go up, they stay, in, they stay in the dorms, and they go play basketball all day, have lunch. It's like the actual kids' sleepaway camp. I remember being there with Buddy, Adrian, um, a few other Syracuse guys. <laughs> And I remember, like, I was just killing, bro. I was killing. I was averaging, like, <laughs> 39 a game, like, killing. And then um, Kip Wellman, the deck, the our, the Dobo at the time, is Syracuse. And Coach Red, because like, Kip ran the camp. So Kip yeah. went to Red, like, yo, Red, you got to come watch this kid. Like, you got to come see this kid. So Red comes one day. Today, like, I'm killing. Like, I'm dunking on dudes. And, like, I'm a, still, like, a pretty young kid. And uh, I think later that, like, the camp was over on a Friday. But the elite camp were all like the top dogs that came in. Mm-hmm. Was it or following day or following next day? So I stayed with my high school coach at my high school coach's friend's house that night. And I'll call my mom real quick. I say, Mom, they invited me to elite camp. They want me to come to elite camp. So my mom was like, All right, sure. Yeah, stay up there. So stayed up there, went to elite camp, killed at the elite camp, <laughs> like was killing everybody at the elite camp. And then um, that's kind of how it started. But they didn't, nothing really happened after that because I think at the time the scholarship issues, they didn't have enough scholarships or. Uh, X amount of guys are committed. I don't really remember, but that's kind of like that's where it stopped for a little bit. And then Coach Beheim saw me again. Coach Beheim like was really intrigued from that day, but he saw me again in Binghamton in like a still like a little state New York tournament that they have in the summertime. 
and then that's kind of he's called red again. <laughs> but I was already committed to ECU, so it's just that story is funny. I like telling that story a lot. It's funny because because Red talks about how you were committed to ECU, and Coach Bayham's like, "Why weren't we on this kid?" And Red's like, "We literally had him at elite camp." <laughs> but, but it's funny because I have a similar story. I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but it relates to this. So I went up to Syracuse my sophomore year for elite camp, and that time Mike Hopkins was going to take over as the head coach. So oh, yeah. Hop, Hop had like this like this rule that he needed to see you like three times or something like that. And I went up there and I was killing. Like G Mac brought me around campus. Coach Beheim loved me, but he couldn't offer me because it wasn't his, it wasn't going to be his team anymore. So so Isaiah Stortz there. They have like. Like, literally, Quade Green, Mo Bamba, like, all those guys there. I'm killing. And uh, after the camp, Mike Hopkins comes up to Isaiah. Me and Isaiah Story are standing next to each other. And he comes up to Isaiah Story. He's like, hey, we're going to offer you a scholarship. And then he's like, Cole, we'll get you up on an unofficial visit. So I'm sitting here like, there's no way that that just happened. <laughs> and then Red gets all mad about it in GMAC because later, next thing you know, Hop takes the Washington job. GMAC called Hopping up off for me later that uh, my my season, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, it was uh, I, and and I love Syracuse. It's crazy, man. The best three years of my life, man. The yeah. best three years of my life. That's actually my next question is like perfectly related to what we're gonna say. So or what you guys are saying right now. Um, there's a quote when you committed when you transferred that you went on a uh, a visit like one day and then I think it was the next day or two days later that you committed and someone. I don't probably Mike Waters called you up and like asked you about the commitment and everything. And your quote was, um, I was thinking about what I like, not basically you said you were thinking about what you did like about Syracuse, but then there you thought about what you didn't like. And you were basically like, I don't think there's anything I don't like about this place. Like this seems like a perfect opportunity for me. Me and Swider, the listeners are no stranger that we completely agree with that line of thinking. So what kind of happened on that visit, and what was the feeling you got when you met with the coaching staff when you were at the campus that you were like, no, nah, this is this is it. Like, this is a done deal. I want to come here. Yeah, so I like telling the story, too. Shaheen Holloway was at Seton Hall at the time, and mm-hmm. it was like when I was done with ECU, I was like, all right, call up Shaheen. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. I was pretty much I'm coming. And then Coach Red called me later that night and said, uh, Coach Bam was gonna come on a visit, come on a visit. It's like, mm. all right. So now I got a question. He back like, hold up, I'm about to go to Syracuse. Like, look at it real quick, and I'll let you know. And uh, so I went to Syracuse, and Coach kind of I like Coach because he was just straight up. He told me what it was. Yep. He was like, listen, it's amazing. Yeah, it was different for me because like I didn't need the whole like go visit, go out. I was like going to my I saw Rhea, like I'm just, I just want to focus on like what's the best situation for me basketball wise. Mm-hmm. And he just told me what it was. Um, told me the plans. He had the he had the plan and vision for Tyus. He had the plan and vision for O'Shea. He had the plan and vision for me. And they kind of all just went hand in hand. And I was just say, you know what? Like I looked at my mom, and dad. I was like, like, what are we? On the ride back home. Yeah. On the ride back home, I was like, Dad, I'm I'm going. Like, I'm not like. Yeah. So I called Shaheen. I called Shaheen back in the car leaving Syracuse. And I called Coach Bam next morning, and then that was just done. I was ready to go. I think I think Coach Beheim more than any coach I've ever been around is like he'll tell you exactly what it is and then it, and then it turns out being exactly what he said. It was. <laughs> like it's 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 I I don't know how it feels to be a player who doesn't like where that doesn't happen. But I've never met a player. 
I remember I was on my recruiting visit and Matt Moore, I, I was telling Matt Moore, I was like, yeah, hey, like, is this normal? Like, coach just told me if, if I came to Syracuse as a freshman, I'm going to get 400 shots. Like, did he tell you that? Because, like, because I, I, I just want to make sure that he's not lying to me. He's like, no, like, like, coach told me that, like, I'll be lucky if I play as a junior. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shoot. Coach will tell you what it is. He, he watches a lot of basketball. He loves basketball. So, like, he knows mm-hmm. basketball. He knows what works. Like, he knows what kind of guy he needs. Like, he's just the guru. I think he's a guru. Unbelievable. Then he lets – and one thing I, I tell people is that someone asked me, who's the best offensive coach you've ever played for? They asked me that yesterday. And I was thinking about it. And I, I think Coach Wright, unbelievable defensively. But when it comes to, like, adjusting to who you have on your roster, Patty knows mm-hmm. this. Last year, we probably took around 40 threes a game. And this year, they take around, like, 12 threes a game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he's able to adjust each and every year to the roster that, it, roster that he has. Talk about – yeah, I mean, I, I just think that Coach Bayheim is just unbelievable in that aspect. But um, go, going back, so, so now you transfer to Syracuse and you have to sit out that year. Talk about that year that you had to sit out and, and how much that helped you develop your game and, and, and become the player that you wanted to become. Right. Bro, I'm not going to lie. That shit. Oh, you look, you look. Yeah, you're allowed. You can curse it. <laughs> yo, that, yo, that was awful, bro. And sitting out here, that was terrible. Because, like, me just going back to just being a straight-up competitor, like, that 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 summer when I was going into my sit-out year, I was killing. Like, I'm in preseason. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, this is great. Like, I'm killing, like, but I'm like, damn, I'm about to go a whole season without playing. So it was kind of like that summer was kind of like the, all right, like, <laughs> Like, I was focused, but I was like, all right, like, come on. I'm, I got a whole yeah. mad long for I ever get on the court again and play 5 on 5. So I kind of, like, I was kind of taking it lightly that summer. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't, I wasn't like, like, going crazy because I knew I had a whole forever to get ready. So, but, yeah, sitting out was awful. Uh, it was awful. It was really bad because a lot of the games we would lose by, like, eight or nine points. And so I'm not acting like I'm going to go in there and be the savior and have those ten, eight or nine points. I'm just saying, like, it was just – I know what I'm capable of doing, and these guys know what I'm capable of doing. So with a little bit yes. more, we could have just been so much more. So it was just, and it was they lost to Duke that year in the Sweet 16, and it's like I know that just probably with one more offensive weapon, we'd have went to the Final Four easily. Yeah. We went to the Final Four, so that was rough. It was hard. Like I felt bad. I just felt bad. We battled every day. And those were my guys. So it was tough. But I really just took the year to just kind of focus and uh, just focus on my body, take care of my body. Again, I, I was coming off an injury my freshman year, so. I had a little more time to get 100% back in shape, uh, get my body feeling 100% right, uh, not no lingering, nothing like, but nothing like that. So that was good. Uh, and me and G-Mac got after it. Like, we just got after it that summer. 6 a.m. Like, we just got after it. And it was good for me. It got me ready. Uh, going into that year, the first year you played, do you feel like you, you sort of caught some people by surprise because you come on this roster that's, like, already – loaded you guys had Tyus O'Shea uh Frank Howard like you guys had so so much talent so and then you end up being the second leading scorer I'm sure you know there's definitely some Q's fans that weren't necessarily familiar with your game so do you kind of have a chip on your shoulder going into that year being like not like like you said we lost by eight or nine points like last year like that isn't happening this year because I'm getting like 14 a game right I mean that's a good point. I just, honestly I went into the year I was just excited I was like I didn't play basketball and I was just happy to play again but um, there was definitely that's that's just I mean that's competitive to me. I'm always have that kind of chip. Like, listen, like I'm here to help you guys. Like, I'm here to help what we had last year. I'm just trying to add. And so, 
it was different because that year was kind of like my spot up year. Like I was kind of the spot up guy. I took pressure off guys like Tyus and Frank. Uh, I made shots at a pretty solid clip. Um, but I didn't. I wasn't really playing in the paint. Like I didn't get to the paint at all. I'm not going to say at all, but I, I really got to the paint my first year. So, I mean, the, like, the way I look at it, like looking back on it, if I would have like kept that as my game, as my kind of maybe things could be different the way I play in the NBA now. You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the way I was playing, I was kind of this, this floor spacer, a guy who could play up a closeout. Um, you know, I don't need the ball to be effective kind of guy, but I was effective when I had the ball. So it was just that kind of aspect, you know, that's kind of NBA. That's what the NBA is. That's how it's played, the pace and guys. So, so that year was fun. We won a lot of games, uh, and it was just a really fun year. I, I I miss that. I miss that shit, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's it. Once you play for Coach Bayheim and play in the dome, and then you, like you play for Syracuse, it's so so hard to like get yourself back down. Like, all right, like now I gotta start start over. Like now now I gotta go on a, on a sixty win Utah Jazz team and 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 try and. Yeah. <laughs> but then but then that next year, you have your coming out party, right? You you come the you get the AC scoring title. Talk about that summer leading into that year. What, what did you expect? What was Coach Bayheim telling you? And kind of walk us through the the day to day of that year and how you kind of just evolved into the Elijah Hughes that all the Syracuse fans love. I mean, it was simple because after my first year playing, we have our kind of end of the year meeting. Coaches like, yo, it's like it's your, it's your world now. Like, it's, <laughs> just kind of like it's your world. So going into that year, we had like a little uh, the foreign trip. We went to Italy. I remember the first game. I was shooting some. Bullshit. Like I was taking pull-ups, step back, like threes. Like I was shooting some shit, and like it wasn't like all terrible awful shots, but shots that I know if I took last year, I'm on the bench. Like if I took yeah, those yeah. same shots last year, I'm on the bench. And so once I like saw coach was kind of not saying nothing about that first game, I was like, all right, I know what it is. Now. Like I could just time to like let loose. I'm just hooping now, and that's what it was. I was just hooping, and me and G-Man got out there because I I kind of had to get back to playing with the ball man again. I had to get back yeah. to hit on the ball being somebody who can make plays off the bounce uh, and the shot clock, that kind of guy. So we got after that summer, you know, it was a great year. And then obviously COVID, you know, cut things short. But I think we could have, we were on our way to making a big time run. Yeah, it was was a classic Q's and Marsh run that was kind of loading and then it got shut off. But (laughs) I thought that. Were you going to say something? Yeah, before we get into the NBA stuff, talk about, I mean, Patty and I have the most appreciation for this guy. I think anyone could, but talk about the relationship that you have with G-Mac, how much he helped you um, in those years. And I, I tell him all the time, I'm just so thankful that that he took me underneath his wing. He became like a big brother to me. Talk about that relationship and, and, and the things that, that – or what G, what does G-Mac mean to you? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just start with, with all those guys. You know, for me, it was G-Mac Red and, and uh, what's his name? Griff, 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 it was all of them. It was like because me and Griff came in together. His first year of working was my first year in as a, mm-hmm. you know, transfer. So we came in together. Red was kind of the main recruiter, but Red was also like that kind of big brother. And then GMAC was the guy I worked out with. So it was like they yeah. all played a vital role. It was vital, vital role in my development. Uh, Griff was kind of like the all right. We don't got to talk about basketball. Like, like, like how he was, I always asked me how, how was your day? Like, what's going on today? Blah, blah, blah. Ray was like the we could talk about basketball, we could like say something funny. So like and then G Mac was kinda like the we could talk about basketball, but he could also like 
whatever, say something funny as well. So we all had a really good relationship. Uh, I miss seeing those guys every day. Uh, and then just working out with GMAC was kind of like, yo, sometimes I hated it, bro. <laughs> like, I hated it. I used to hate working, waking up at 6 a.m. because I go to GMAC workout. But he, it, he just put so much love and so much so much into us, it was hard not to just give it back every time I, work, I worked out with him. And, uh, we built a good relationship, as, you know, as friends now. And, uh, no, I, I miss those guys. I miss all those guys. The, re- the reason why I say GMAC is just because, obviously, we, we, we worked out with GMAC on a day-to-day basis. But, I mean, the, the coaching staff at Syracuse, I, Patty and I say this all the time. Like, I, I don't think you could get a better collection of guys, like <laughs> actual human beings to be around you every single day. Like, I remember I was going through a really tough part of my, part of the season last year. I was missing shots, and Red would just come to me and just give me a hug or just uplift me. Like, on other coaching staffs that I, I was a part of, it, it was like, it was such a basketball-driven relationship that there was no, like, giving you a hug after a game. It was just like, why, why didn't you get that rebound? Why didn't you defend, like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But with Reddit and all those guys, it was like, our relationship was bigger than basketball, so I could trust them whatever they were trying to tell me. I could also tell, like, from the aspect of a walk-on, like, they're not talking to me every day about playing time and, like, production and everything, but they're, they're one of the only coaching staffs like you'll find that nothing is ever about them, which you can't say about a lot of people. Like it's all about you guys. It's all about the kids, and yeah, and like they don't expect or want any of the credit. And then yeah, it's never like an us versus you thing, which you can't say about like a lot of coaching staff. So I don't know. And, and I think the beauty of it is, is that Coach Beheim lets those guys do do their thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the thing, like. Coach Beheim, you get yelled at by Coach Beheim, it's like, all right, now you're going to get comforted by Ray, you're going to comfort by GMAC, you're going to get comforted by Griff. Like, and now you're good, but you're not pissed no more. You're not like steam, mm-hmm. like steam coming through your nose no more because you just got screamed at. So that's those guys are like big, big brothers to me. And, and, and they all play for Coach Beheim too, so they know how it is. Like sometimes sometimes Coach Beheim, especially when you're one of the best players, like he'll, he'll just say something to get it off his chest, and then like, but he still wants you to shoot the next 10 shots. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... I always do that. He used to, like, if, if I ever went to, like, a half of, like, five, five points, he'd be like, you know, Elijah, you, you're just not being right today. Something like that, man. <laughs> no, nah, for sure, man. Um, and then, obviously, after Syracuse, you you put your name in the draft. Um, I mean, you, your name was hot at the time. It was probably the right time to go. But was there any thought about coming back to Syracuse? I'm not going to lie, bro. Like, I kind of looked looked back at the kind of year I had, and I was like, "Yo, I gotta go." Like, I there's no kind of like I have to. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I, I didn't really. My thing was I didn't know about like COVID. Like, I don't know what was gonna happen in the world. So I don't know how things would be. So I was like, you know, what? I'm hot. Like COVID's coming. I'm just gonna be safe and just I'm gonna go and I'm gonna stay. Cause I, I think from what I'm talking to people like I, I might have made a good good choice uh, by staying. But you know, looking back, looking back now, I you know. I'm glad at how everything worked out. I really am. But, like, I miss it. I just miss it. <laughs> uh-huh. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah. so, I mean, you mentioned it there, but you're our first guest that was in that 2020 draft. So how, how weird was that day-to-day? And like, was it, was it just, like, kind of like you're trying to take it as it goes? Or, or, like, when were you finding out that the draft's pushed back, that all that is, is like, just not normal? Well, we had a we had an eight-month – eight or nine month long pre-draft like it was insane so mm-hmm. we get out of we get out of uh march madness because of covid they shut it down 
and the draft is in June. So, all right, everyone's, like, wherever they're at, doing a pre-draft, like, getting ready, but there's no, like, workouts. Like, you don't, you're not flying the teams to work out. They're coming to you, so you're essentially just where you're at the whole eight, nine months because we're in a lockdown. So you got to work out. you got to kind of stay in shape. you got to get ready for the draft uh, in whatever conditions you can or however, however way you can. And then there was, like, no summer league. No OTAs. Like we went straight from the draft to training camp in a week. <laughs> so it was just kind of like it was hard. It was really hard to adjust in the rookie mm-hmm. year. Really hard. So going into that draft night, what were you expecting? Was there any of the teams that you were expecting? And then once you got that call from Utah, just explain that feeling. Uh, draft night, man. It was well, draft day. I was up early. I had a busy day just getting ready. And I was just so anxious. Like, I remember, I remember, I throw throwing up like four or five times that day. I was just super, wow. super anxious. Yeah, I was like, I was nervous. I was scared. I was. It was so many emotions. So many emotions running through me. It was just like, like this is the biggest day of my life. It's like it's the day I've been one. It's the day I've done anything for. So I was really, really emotional and uh, scared, and nervous, but also excited and happy. Mm-hmm. So when we get to draft night, um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought I was gonna be a first round pick. I thought I was like gonna be a first round pick so when it got to like when it got to 28 i called my agent and i was kind of like what's I, i'm just waiting he's like yeah i don't know it was just kind of this agent client talk um and then when i found out it was utah i knew it was utah because my agent called me and told me but i was i was kind of like all right i don't really know much about utah like, i did <laughs> i didn't know much about the like the, they weren't like a high team that i thought was going to be in my drafting me or, or wanting to me in a trade. So I didn't do kind of a lot of research. But then when I got there, I knew right away I was going to be one of the best teams in the NBA. <laughs> like, easily. And it was. So going on that team, what, I mean, what was your expectation, right? This team was a, a, a win-now team. They didn't, they didn't particularly need you. I mean, obviously they wanted you, they drafted you and, and signed you to a contract, but they didn't particularly need you. Talk about that year, like those three years in Utah and, and, and how you were able to grow from it, but at the same time, the the frustration, the emotions that that go into, um, obviously, an NBA season each and every year. I mean, absolutely, bro. Um, so, yeah, I mean, going into it, I just wanted to hoop. Like, I just came off of averaging 20 points a game. Like, I'm yeah. playing, playing with the ball. I'm doing whatever I want. I'm like, I just want to play. Like, I just want to play. And, and also with COVID, like, we didn't have a regular G League. Like, we had the G League bubble that year. So, like, it was hard for me to just ever hoop because the G League bubble wasn't until March. And then I, I kind of – they just used me in the G League bubble so I can get ready to – because I was still rehabbing my ankle. Yeah. And, like, so it was just a lot. It was just messy. And I was – it was a lot. My first year and a half, I'm going to be honest, I learned how to play basketball. Like, I learned how to play, yeah. like, basketball. And I kind of got away from that in Syracuse because I just – not that I know how to play basketball, but I had just so much freedom, you know, to take – a bunch of shots, uh, good within offense shots, but like just not shots I would take in the NBA. So I kind of like learned how to play. Uh, I took it as a learning experience. You know, I had four All Stars, Defensive Player of the Year, Six Man of the Year, Runner Up Six Man of the Year, Boyan who shot almost 50, 40, 90 for his career. Mm-hmm. So like, I have all these dudes to learn from. Like just, just I gotta to see the guys work every see these guys work every single day and see what it takes to be really good at this game. So that's how I took it. Um, but it was hard, though, bro. It was really hard. I just wanted to play. Again, I'm living by myself in Utah. Like, it's really, really mm-hmm. hard. Like, I just wanted to play basketball. And uh, I missed it. But I was just, I mean, I'm happy where I am. I'm happy that things worked out the way they did. Because uh, I just, you, you take, you learn everywhere you go. You learn more about mm-hmm. yourself. 
Um, real quick, I mean, we don't take you or take up too much more of your time. Again, we appreciate you coming on, but um, I had to ask this because I'm a giant Damian Lillard fan, and I know he was hurt last year, but Swatter, a thing we've talked about a lot, is him being about around LeBron and AD and these these guys that are super established. You've had the benefit of being on the same team. You just mentioned Donovan Mitchell and then Dame last year. How have you sort of like picked their brain and, and looked at how they work every day and kind of maybe like some habits that you've taken from them um, with how successful they've been? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to start with Don. Don, especially because I've known Don for quite a long time. He's, he's mm-hmm. from Westchester County. He's been around Westchester County. I'm Dutchess County, so, like, our names have crossed paths. Like, I've seen him play AU, vice versa, whatever. And so to know somebody that close to ages me, kind of from the same same area, in a sense, as me, like, works so hard. Like, he's just a worker, bro. Mm-hmm. He's just a worker. It's, like, it's, it's really cool to watch. Like, first one in the gym. When on shoot around, like before a, on a game day, like getting his hour, good hour in, um, like the way he takes care of his body. And he's like, this dude is so close to aging me, but he's so focused. Like he's just so yeah. focused. It's just every day how dialed in, and just no matter what, how dialed in he is, it's like we the same age. Like, I, I gotta get there. I gotta, I gotta get to that. I, I want to get to that kind of level of dedication and commitment to myself. Um, and, I, and I'm there. Like I, I've learned that. After, I've learned that. But uh, just like watching that, seeing that every day, seeing Dame how he approached, you know, he was kind of rehabbing while I was there. Right. But he still was just so professional every day, getting his work in every single day, um, and he encouraging us, like, like not for nothing. We were taking that year, so like we mm-hmm. didn't. He didn't need to show up for any of our games. He didn't need to come watch any of us. Like that was the year that we kind of re- they re- think thought about rebuilding the roster, like blah blah blah. So. He still was showing up for us. He still was a good leader and just a good dude to have around. So I'm grateful I got to be on a lot of those. Those, those mm-hmm. teams are two great, a lot of great players. Yeah, absolutely. Going into this uh, this season, obviously, you decided not to play summer league this past year, and then you, you joined the Wisconsin Herd. What went into that decision not to play summer league, and then what is your mindset going into this G League season and obviously get, making your way back to the NBA? Uh, you know, I didn't think summer league would just be beneficial for me uh, just because of, I just didn't think it was a good idea because uh, some of the you just never know. You never know if you're going to play, if you're not going to play. It's just so I kind of wanted, didn't want to do that. And then you know when, when this opportunity came, I kind of wanted. I just wanted to take full advantage, you know. Uh, and I'm happy I'm here. I'm happy I'm playing. Uh, I'm just happy, bro. Like I can't lie. I'm happy. I'm hooping. That's what it's all about. That's what's up, man. Elijah, appreciate you, man. Actually, no. Actually, one more question, Patty. More Wait, I actually have a quick one more story too, but you go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah. so I think I would say Pat, Patty. Patty said this before in the podcast that me and you were the most out. Like we talked the most about Syracuse <laughs> basketball on our Twitter page. Uh, That's what I was going to say. Pages. Yeah, yeah. Talk talk about that that kind of affair that you have love affair you have with the program with the fan base the Syracuse fans and why are you so adamant about posting about yeah. the Syracuse also Elijah you can be honest you get a lot of love you get a lot of clout on everyone so are there any that you're just firing off just you're like I, I can use some retweets right now like I think I might just <laughs> no I'm kidding all, all of them are obviously genuine but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah bro I just like that's how much I just love that place I just want like I got so much love for that place as a community as a school like basketball I just love it I love that place Mm-hmm. Swatter, uh, Elijah's Elijah's also uh, 
you're a lowercase guy too with all the tweets. Yeah, super, super. Yeah, so guy. Swan, I think you, I think you, I think you might have to adopt that. It's way more casual, you know what I mean? But <laughs> sure, my, my, my last, my last, last question is: I think every Syracuse fan and a lot of college basketball fans will remember um, when you guys beat Zion's Duke team at at Cameron, and at the end of the first half you hit like a 70 footer it was the if you haven't seen it <laughs> look it up i heard a story last year um if this is correct credit me if this is wrong then i'll blame the other person who told me but i heard the next day of practice coach Beheim said elijah if you can hit this shot yeah. in the dome yeah practice is canceled for the day and you shot it was it the first attempt it was that's insane <laughs> yeah, so yeah that's the same shot no, no credit to Ryan Bury there. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> only, only at Syracuse. Only at Syracuse. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, most coaches too. But that's the other. Also, what we were saying. Most coaches would be like, "No, nah, I'm kidding." Like we're practicing. Bam. I was like, "Yeah, go home." <laughs> yeah, I actually did cast that. I do remember that. That's crazy. I forgot about that actually. Yeah, that's insane. We'll definitely post that that shot too. But um, <laughs> that game was lit. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't amazing. That was a full roster too. Zion, all of them. Yeah. Well, but, Cam, did, Cam was sick that he warmed up and he was sick. He didn't end up shooting up. That was better we, for Duke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Elijah, appreciate you coming on the on the pod, man. It's absolutely great. Always great talking to another Syracuse guy who's absolutely in a similar situation as me, man. So uh, I'm sure I'll see you around. I don't, I don't know if we play you guys, but I think we do. I was yeah. looking at the schedule. We play out in March. We play okay, out okay. on my birthday, around my birthday. All right, so, so, so take it easy on us, man. Yeah. <laughs> nah, man, but but for real, th- thanks for coming on. And Absolutely. Obviously, that was an- another great uh, yeah. interview with Thanks Elijah so much, bro. Hughes. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show, and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, Show at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast, and our executive producer is Adam Lewis. Swider Show was created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.